We're certainly un poco loco around here. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we're your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode, we'll focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod, or send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. All right, Kyle, so we are back with another bracket. We are. We survived the heroes, we survived the villains, and, and now we're moving on to the other studio, over to Pixar. Yes, we are, but before we get into that, let's go ahead and introduce today's tiebreaker host. We got Callie. What's going on, Callie? Hey, guys. Nothing much. Um, thank you for having me. Big fan of the podcast. I'm excited to be uh, mediating your guys' conversation because it's about to be explosive. Yeah, I uh, I agree with that. Uh, Callie, tell us a little bit where you're from. What's your uh, relationship to Disney? Yeah, Um. so from Seattle, living up here currently. Had the privilege of meeting both Chris and Kyle when I was living in California for a couple of years. Um, and I obviously grew up watching Disney movies, loving them. And then when I moved to California, became addicted to Disneyland. So went a lot and here I am and uh, had the privilege of going to Pixar Studios a couple times. So I feel like I'm an expert on this topic, ready to go. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, kind of your rite of passage in the office, it felt like. Callie and I used to work yeah. together. Is we'd <laughs> take a lunchtime trip to Pixar, which was super casual. Yeah. It's unreal. Still pinch myself that we got to do that, but it was super fun. Absolutely, so. absolutely. Well, before we uh, start here with our topic, we got a couple of things to cover, including our spoonful of sugar. So, Chris, what are you drinking over there? I am proud to say that I am done with my terrible spoonful of sugar drinks. He's done with the gin and green tea or whatever we're, he was drinking. We're done with the college boy mixers. Um, I have a legit cocktail this time. All right, and it is on brand. This is called the Sandbox, and it is a drink that is actually served at Toy Story Land at Disney Hollywood Studios Park. Oh, very nice. Uh, um, it is a rum. It's like a tropical rum drink, and so what's inside is coconut rum, uh, melon liqueur, and a splash of citrus juices, and that's what's on the menu on like the drink cart at Toy Story Land. So I don't really know what splash of citrus juices means. So I got like some lemon juice and some lime <laughs> juice and like this orange grapefruit V8. And I just threw it all into a giant mason jar and it is tasty. Yeah. Highly recommend. It retails for thirteen fifty at Toy Story Land. So uh, yeah, it, but it's a, it's a big drink. Like it's a solid like thirty two ounces, oh um, and it is really good. And I feel like uh, I'm gonna die by the end of this episode. Um, I will say that the color I'm a little bit confused because in all these photos it's yellow, but mine is like very very deep green. Okay. So I don't I don't really know like Maybe what I did something wrong or something with the citrus citrus juices there. 
Well, anyone who knows anything about the color wheel knows that yellow is a primary color. So for there to be a yellow drink, everything, all the ingredients have to be yellow. And Midori melon liqueur is green. So I, I don't know. Disney magic. Disney magic. Well, I'm uh, taking things into the tropical realm as well. And I've got myself a safari swizzle, which could be purchased at Trader Sam's. And what that is, is uh, a bunch of lime juice. It is some simple syrup. It is some rum, it is some aromatic bitters, and it is some uh, mint leaves. Now, I didn't have mint leaves, and I think this drink would be a lot better if I did, but it's actually pretty tasty without, Um, so I'm pretty proud of the fact that I'm finally coming to you with an actual Disney drink again after a couple weeks of forgetting it all. And is Callie participating in Spoonful of Sugar as well? I am... I have I call this the put that thing back where you came from or so help me because I probably should put it back and might need someone to help me later. Oh, so. there we go. Coming in hot on well, the what first is it? episode. It's a uh, half a can of sparkling wine and then some pineapple mango juice. So Love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. It's a uh, mid-afternoon mimosa there. Yeah. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. <laughs> All right, y'all, let's get down to it. The topic for today's episode is best Pixar movie. Super excited to sidestep into Pixar, something a lot of people have asked us about, and we're finally doing it. And, of course, we had to select a special demographic to survey for this bracket, and that demographic was people dibsing parade spots way too early. Who here has participated in dibsing for spots too early? I have not. I've probably done it twice, and it was for Paint the Night. Yeah, that's the only time that I've gotten there too early. I accidentally got in there too early for a Sensational Parade and immediately regretted my decision to sit there for an hour waiting. But there are people who get there at like noon for a three o'clock parade, and now I'm trying to walk down Main Street park hopping, and I'm tripping over people's picnic bags and stuff. Right, well... It's a good thing they were there three hours before the show because then it allowed us to survey them. I will say this about this particular demographic is there are a lot of different ages and types of people represented. Right. So we kind of got a nice balance here on this bracket. So let's go ahead and start off by talking about the few that didn't quite make it into the bracket, the few that missed the dance. Now, there have only been 21 Pixar movies, so only five had to miss the dance. Uh, and we'll go ahead and start with probably one of the worst uh, Pixar movies ever created, Cars 2. Not a great movie. It was a, it was like they tried to do a spy movie, and it was awful. Bad, bad movie. Uh, also missing the dance from that universe is Cars 3. I, I enjoyed Cars 3, so I'm a little surprised that it didn't make it to this bracket. What about you guys? The thing about Pixar is there are so many heavy hitters, and even the bottom-of-the-barrel Pixar movies aren't really that bad but especially when it comes to sequels someone's got to miss the cut and if you're talking about comparing cars one two and three i don't think cars three holds a candle to cars one so the fact that it didn't make the dance it is what it is i'm with you kyle i didn't hate cars three i also never saw cars two so i'm gonna chalk that up for a win for me but um I definitely think that Cars 3 is better than some of the other movies we have on here. All right. 
Who else missed the dance, Chris? Um, speaking of pointless sequels, we have Monsters U and Finding Dory missing the dance. Um, Finding Dory, I will say I really enjoy Baby Dory. That's potentially one of my favorite Pixar inventions of all time, but in the end, I don't think Baby Dory is enough to save a mostly forgettable movie. I completely agree with that, and it's funny that it's forgettable when it has to do with Dory. And it came out, like, what, three years ago? Right. All I remember is the fish drove a truck. (laughs) The fish did drive a truck. And the last movie to miss the dance was The Good Dinosaur, which was just a mess of a movie. It was, like, stunning in its design, except for its character design. Its character design was super cartoonish, but the environment around them was incredibly realistic. It didn't make any sense. Felt like they cut the budget for no reason. And they they cut it on the characters. I don't know. (laughs) All right. Well, now that we've got that out of the way, let's cue up the dramatic music and let's announce the top 16 Pixar movies. Leading off the bracket at the number one seed, you may not be a toy, but they sure are. It is Toy Story. Will this film rise to the top of the bracket? It's up. It is perfectly okay to catch feelings. Coming in at the three seed is Inside Out. His fin is lucky, but is his movie? Coming in at number four, it's Finding Nemo. Will there be a plot twist in this movie's story? Coming in at the fifth seed is Toy Story 3. Coming in at number six, it's a family affair with The Incredibles. Life is a highway, but will they ride it to the end? Coming in at number seven is Cars. Are you in love with Coco? They scare, but do you care? Coming in at the nine seed is Monsters, Inc. By and large, this will be a great matchup. Coming in at number 10, Wally. Let's be honest. We're all trash. Coming in at number 11 is Toy Story 4. Coming in at number 12, who can forget this classic Pixar flick, A Bug's Life. We all have a little chef in us. Coming in at number 13 is Ratatouille. Coming in at number 14, a sequel done right, Toy Story 2. Her mom's a bear, and that's pretty much the movie. Coming in at number 15 is Brave. Coming in at number 16, a recent Pixar success story, it's The Incredibles 2. Alright, there's our our uh, round of 16 right there. We got everything from the very first Pixar movie to the very most recent. Uh, Callie, just hearing the top 16 here, do you have any favorites? Do you have any thoughts? Do you have any, any uh, things that stand out to you? Um, I think Incredibles 2 should definitely be a little higher. Hurts a little bit that it's the last one, and especially that it's below Brave. That stings a bit. Um, I think there might be an upset in the final if the top two get to the the big show. So we'll see. I'm excited, though. Well, let's go ahead and make our way into that big show. It is our first matchup. Number one Toy Story versus number 16 Incredibles 2. This is a tough one because I think that the people who are sitting waiting for parades must have been suffering from heat stroke 
to put Incredibles 2 at um, the 16 seed because anything that goes up against Toy Story is going to have a really hard time, let alone a movie as good as Incredibles 2. I think that Incredibles 2 came at a time in which Pixar wasn't putting out the greatest sequels. I mean, you had movies like Cars 2, which was just god-awful, and you had Finding Dory, which was not that great either. Um, But Incredibles 2 was like a very solid movie. It was incredibly funny. Um, It brought all of the old characters back from from the first movie that we all wanted to see. It kind of, it took right off from where the last movie ended, which is like also what we all wanted. We wanted to see what happened in in that battle that was about to happen at the end of the first movie. And you also get to see some like really impressive fight scenes. Like the way that the superheroes are able to use their powers especially when they team up and they use each other's powers it was very like kids avenger-esque um in the way that they were working together um plus you got awesome scenes with jack jack and what his powers are which are apparently everything um which might lead it to its downfall against toy story is that everything every idea within Incredibles 2 I think was a little bit too open like you have this essentially invincible baby that can just do whatever and it's going to grow up to be like this invincible hero and maybe toy or maybe Incredibles 3 is (laughs) Jack Jack turning evil and using his invincible powers for bad but I mean we can't like Toy Story man like it's Toy Story they're still cranking out Toy Story movies um everyone knows the song you got a friend in me like that's probably one of the most iconic disney songs in history if we want to consider it a disney song because i don't know that pixar was a part of disney at the time that they made this movie it has some incredible actors in it it's within everyone's childhood especially around our age and and in fact the sequels kind of grow as we as the audience grow and specifically we can get more into that when when we get to toy story 3 but um I think just its classic nature and its its repeatability. Like I think I can watch Toy Story over and over again, but I don't know that I can watch Incredibles two over and over again. Um, I'm gonna just keep it short and go with Toy Story in this one. I am going to agree with you. I think Toy Story might not be worthy of the number one seed, um, and I'm not sure Incredibles two is bad enough to be the number sixteen seed. Um, I think maybe when we said, what's your favorite Pixar movie? And people said Toy Story, they were referring to like the franchise as a whole. And people saying The Incredibles may have been referring to the franchise as a whole. So Toy Story is the OG. It put Pixar on the map. Um, it was extremely impressive at the time of its release. But I will say um, Incredibles 2, great movie. Um, really good themes about letting your children grow up, challenging conventional gender roles and nuclear families. I love all the scenes with Violet and the dude that she likes in the diner. Super funny. Um, And uh, technically speaking, the fight between Elastigirl and Screen Slaver when they're in that like strobe light chamber thing. So sick. Yeah, that's Um, absolutely. That one was, that one blew my mind. And then the, uh, the fight scene where, uh, the lady who has the portal ability was just sending people through portals like strategically. So great. Great movie, but uh, unfortunately, 
it's up against an iconic film. So I'm giving it to Toy Story as well. All right, next matchup, we got number eight, Coco versus number nine, Monsters, Inc. Coco is a more recent Pixar movie. Monsters, Inc. is one of the older films. Coco is on Netflix, so we have a lot of people that have access to this movie right now. It's probably fresh in a lot of people's minds. I will say this about Coco. I don't like Coco at all. Wow. Uh, I don't have a lot of positive things to say about Coco, unfortunately. Wow. Um, Remember Me, I think, is a is a good song. It's like pretty solid. Um, but it's by no means like a banger Disney song. I find the dialogue to be very poorly written in Coco, especially at the beginning. Um, and I'm not really sure exactly what the creative process is like when they make these movies, but to me it felt like when they made Coco, they wrote the twist first and then like reverse engineered the movie after that. And I felt like the only emotions I was feeling during the movie were related to the twist and the urgency for Miguel to get back to the living world or whatever. And that is just so the opposite of what I think makes a good Pixar movie. A good Pixar movie is about really strong characters that the audience develops an emotional connection to. And yes, Coco was visually impressive in a lot of ways. The story was pretty interesting for the most part, and I really enjoyed that they explored Mexican culture as well. But if we're talking about what makes a good Pixar movie, the characters in Coco were the least interesting part about that movie. And then on the other hand, you have Monsters, Inc., which has several amazing characters, right? You have Sully, you have Mike Wazowski, and you have Boo, our three heroes, so to speak. And we develop a real emotional connection with them as individuals, and we also develop an emotional connection with the relationship that each of them have with each other. Obviously, Monsters, Inc. not as technically impressive as Coco, but Monsters, Inc., better story, super funny. Um... It is another kind of make-believe world that has some rules in it, but I felt like Coco really leaned way too hard on all of those rules, and the movie basically just became about the rules of the world and trying to like do this thing when Monsters, Inc. is really about exploring this relationship between human-child and monster. So, Kyle, I feel like you don't feel the same way, so... No, I don't. I think it's interesting that you're describing an emotional connection when it's a movie about monsters and a child when Coco's about remembering family. One of the, the plot lines of Coco was that when families forget about their loved ones, their loved ones leave they're gone they're they're the memory of them is gone their existence within the land of the dead is gone um, and that's that hits really deep that's something that like you then reflect on like how how do you remember your loved ones and are you remembering your loved ones and obviously like you may not believe that there's this uh consequence to forgetting a loved one but forgetting someone that you once loved is sad in itself like that is awful and and i mean first of all how dare you slander the coco soundtrack because if you listen to the B-side of that, where they're doing it all in Spanish, like, the Spanish songs are so 
good. No, 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 no. Good. Monsters, Inc. Oh, has one of the greatest Pixar scores of all time. It's iconic. Oh, my gosh. Sure. The score of Monsters, Inc. is great. And they have the one last song that is good. But, like, every time Miguel sings into his microphone, Angel gains its wings. That is, I don't know how else to say it. This is... It's incredible. I think that the relatability of of being close to family and wanting to always remember them um, and honor them, I think is really powerful. And I look for movies that I can connect to and relate to and, and that make me feel something. And while I felt sad that like Sully had to give Boo back to the human world, after I left that movie, it didn't leave a lasting impact. Like what left a lasting impact from Coco is like cherish the moments with your family while you have them and and celebrate them even after they're gone and for that reason i'm picking coco let me just rebuttal with one thing all right coco in order to defeat the villain in the movie they use a terrible cliche which is the broadcast confession cliche where the villain says something or does something and then a camera happens to be recording them and then Dude. they broadcast it out and everyone comes back and they stole that from Monsters, Inc. It's, well, then you don't use a bad technique to take down the movie when it's in your movie as well. I'm not saying the technique's bad. I'm saying they stole it from something that I've already done before. Okay. All, All right, right Callie, Callie. We are tied here. What say you? Wow. Well, this is really hard because... I'm a big fan of both of these movies and I don't think they should both be down uh, in the middle of this ranking, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I think I have to go with Kyle on this one. Coco is visually stunning. I don't think I've ever seen a kid's movie that deals with death the way that Coco does. Um, soundtrack is great. Piggybacking off of what Kyle said and Chris to your point where Pixar movies are all about developing relationships with characters um, I don't know of a single person that hasn't cried when a character that was in the movie for less than 10 minutes dies at the end. Oh, you didn't cry? Okay, okay, perfect. So <laughs> He's Chris the first didn't cry one. at the end of Coco. You can chalk that up however you see fit, listeners of the podcast. But um, I will say it is a bit Ratatouille-esque and Monsters, Inc.-esque. As you're pointing out, they kind of recycle some things. But... I think it's still an amazing movie, and unfortunately, it was paired up next to Monsters, Inc., and I have to eliminate Monsters, Inc. Just like that. (laughs) Dude, Monsters, Inc. is my favorite Pixar movie. Then why is it so low? Apparently, the parade watchers don't agree with you. I'm sad. I I do like Monsters, Inc. as well. I like it a lot, but I I just still think Coco is is the stronger stronger movie. Okay, let's uh, go ahead and take a deep breath and move on to the next one huh next one we have number four finding nemo versus number 13 ratatouille now finding nemo i think is probably the one pixar movie that i've watched the most um even behind or even in front of toy story like i've seen finding nemo so many times that was the first pixar movie where everyone was like this animation is absolutely gorgeous like the way that they were able to recreate what life underwater would look like, but it was just, it was gorgeous. Now, if we're talking about scores, like Finding Nemo, the opening credit score after uh, Marlin finds Nemo's 
broken egg is like that is such a powerful score and i love that soundtrack oh my gosh i love it the characters are great they're super i mean dory's hilarious um it's a a movie in which it's dealing with something as complex as short-term memory loss and i think they do it really well without making fun of the fact that somebody has short-term memory loss, which was really ahead of their time. She ended up finding a way to live with it, which was hanging on to things that she was passionate about. And it was just, it's another classic in my book. Um, Ratatouille, I hadn't seen it since it had come out and up until this past week. And it's a pretty solid movie. It's, it's cute. It's something very different. But what I just couldn't get past, like we can talk about like, talking monsters and we can talk about talking fish but for some reason what i can get through is a rat on top of somebody's head controlling their movements through pulling strands of hair like i just couldn't break through that barrier and that kind of ruined a lot for me and i don't know why um but i did like the the message of that story which was sort of like anyone can do anything that they put their mind to even if it's the most unlikely of sources and then it, it was just weird that like this restaurant was then ran by rats. I don't know. It was, it was a cute movie, but um, I don't know that it it holds up against Finding Nemo. So I'm gonna go ahead and move Finding Nemo onto the next round. I have very vivid memories of my initial reactions to both of these movies. I first heard about Finding Nemo at Vacation Bible School. I was a camper. And all the other kids at VBS were like, hey, have you seen Finding Nemo? It's so good. And I was like, sounds stupid if everyone likes it. And then I went and saw it, and I was like, that was pretty good. (laughs) Pretty good movie. And I missed Ratatouille in theaters. Did not see it. I bought it used at Blockbuster when I was in high school and watched it. And after I watched it, I was like, that was pretty good. And because I was kind of nonchalant about my reaction to Ratatouille, I'm going to give it to Finding Nemo as well. Moving right along, we have Toy Story 3 versus A Bug's Life. Now, this one's pretty tough for me. A lot of people really like Toy Story 3. Uh, It came out at a very, very important time in my life. I was a senior in high school when this movie came out, and it seemed like the movie was speaking directly to me, directly to everyone that was my age at the time kind of letting go of childhood, going on to adulthood. So it emotionally resonated with me in a lot of ways, but I'm still going with A Bug's Life. Um, Bug's Life, to me, is a classic Pixar movie. It does not get the credit it deserves. The fact that A Bug's Land is gone at California Adventure, honestly, not surprising. Not a lot of people talk about this movie anymore. In a world that is run by sequels and franchises and soft reboots left uh, Bugs Life behind, which is really sad. It's a really great movie. We can get into this later in the bracket, but I think part of the reason why I don't like Toy Story 3 here is because Toy Story 4 exists. Two weeks ago, Toy Story 3 was like a brilliant thematic conclusion to this story and sent all of these characters off in a very fitting symbolic satisfying way and now toy story 3 is just kind of like a weird bridge between some good movies and like another analogous appendage movie that right i don't know so my 
the way that I think about the movie in my head has kind of changed just like in the last few weeks. Right. It's close to a toss up for me, but you know, my gut instinct here is saying I'm going with a bug's life. It's funny that you went with bug's life because in my notes I have, I've been circling the ones that I'm going to go with. And this is the only one that I don't have circled. And I was like, why is it that I, why is it toy story three? Just like a complete runaway. And I think it's because what you just said, now that Toy Story 4 is out, like they don't really make mention of Toy Story 3 and Toy Story 4. It's going back to Toy Story 2, essentially. Like in the years between Toy Story 2 and Toy Story 3. Um, well, the timeline skips over Toy Story 3. Um, but yeah, I... It, I also don't remember a lot of, like, the key plot points because I feel like so much was happening in Toy Story 3. Like, they were, there was a fashion show at one point and they were, like, there was an evil bear. Like, I couldn't give you a specific timeline because there was so much happening. Um, now, that you're right. This was, like, an incredible ending. They did a fantastic job. They tied it all up and said, this Toy Story is complete, uh... Uh, thank you all for coming it also came at a time in which i was close to graduating high school and so this was very symbolic of like you grew up as andy throughout these years um but like bug's life is like a it's a really good movie it's like it's a movie of misfits and like somebody who is so driven and, and wanting to impress and wanting to do good and and help others that he gets shunned away to find a bunch of other misfits. And for some reason, I just really like that kind of story. It's also really funny. Like the one-liners and like, and the jokes that they have in there are just so funny. Um, That one's another movie that has a really good score. Not even just like songs, just because it doesn't really have a song until the end. But like the score of the movie is very epic for this like epic adventure. Um, I remember being very afraid of, afraid of uh, grasshoppers after this movie because they're terrifying in this movie and they do such a good job um, with those grasshoppers. And so I don't know. I'm kind of I want to do something different here. I mean, I'm torn within myself and I don't really feel like committing. Don't do it. Don't do it. Please don't do it. So I kind of want to hear what Callie has to say. Yeah. I want I want Callie to serve more as like give her input and and before I make a decision and then she can tie regular months. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with all that you're saying. Um, in that Toy Story three now is kind of lost in the Toy Story series, especially with the fourth one that I was forced to go see yesterday. Um, I think it was a beautiful ending, and they just kind of shoved it aside to try and make more money. That's kind of my. Um, view of it bugs life anyone that knows me knows that there's a special place in my heart for a lovable caterpillar that just wants to eat his way through the entire world candy corn watermelon all of that um heimlich is definitely the best character to ever come out of pixar studios that is my hot take for the day and i will stand by it all day long um (laughs) i don't know this is really tough because like you guys said, I was in the same boat about to graduate high school and move out and throw all my toys away. So Toy Story 3 is up there. But 
I think Bugs Life is so unique compared to all the other Toy Story um, plot lines. And so for that, I have to go with Bugs Life. And Kyle, you do a great Randy Newman. Can you just grace the podcast with a... Once a bug, little bug. Beautiful. That's my Randy Newman in Bugs Life. Honestly, I was leaning towards Bugs Life anyways, and I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't completely insane, and I'm glad that we uh, all came to that conclusion together. So, uh, wow. Who, th- who would have thought that Bugs Life would be taking out Toy Story 3 in this bracket? Not I. I'm down, though. All right, so we're moving across the bracket to the number two seed up versus number 15 brave. And as you could hear in my intro of the number 15 spot, not a, a huge fan of Brave. What I did like about it was the female empowerment uh, overtones and undertones that the movie had. And now correct me if I'm wrong, but this movie I feel like is the first within the Disney realm, definitely in the Pixar realm, that it involves a princess who doesn't want to be a princess. And then you see that again, uh, or a traditional princess anyways. And you see that a- again in Moana Go ahead. What were you going to say? Nothing. Nothing. Okay. And you see that again in uh, Moana over at the other studio. Um, but this this movie was, for those who may not have seen it, which may have been quite a few, um, sh- she has problems with her mom and, her, and she visits a witch and gets a spell to turn her mom into, to change her mom. But what she doesn't know is, what she means by changing her mom is her mom's going to change form into a bear. And now Merda is stuck with a bear for the entire movie. And the the movie relies heavily on the comedic value of somebody becoming a bear for the first time. And I say first time as if we're all going to have a first time. But, like, it's a lot of, like, the bear bumping into things and, and dropping things and trying to be a bear um and it just none of it really kept me wanting to watch and i just rewatched this the other day um while i mean i don't feel like i should even waste my power of uh of explaining why up should move on because that is just such a great movie and kevin alone is better than mom bear in my opinion, so I think we'll say I'll save my my pow- my gun power for up for a later time, and we're gonna go ahead and I'm gonna move up on in the uh, in the bracket here. Well, I have brave winning, and here's why. Just kidding. I was gonna be <laughs> so mad. <laughs> Callie was gonna come and drop the hammer on that discussion. Uh. Totally up takes this one by a landslide but i will say this about brave touch the sky i think is a really good song i was uh i was saying that when i watched it again like that movie is or that song is so good and it is if my memory serves me correctly used in the magic kingdom in florida's fireworks spectacular uh and used alongside some projection um and yeah, really good song. It's definitely and, used at the Pixarmonic Orchestra on Pixar Pier now. Yeah. Those guys play it. Yeah. I, I appreciate the 
exploration of a culture that is otherwise not explored very um, in depth in other Disney and Pixar movies. So, but ups a masterpiece. So, we're gonna go with up. Moving on to a little bit of a tougher matchup, we have number seven cars versus number ten Wally. This one honestly could go either way for me. Cars, unfortunately, I have a really bad taste in my mouth when it comes to cars because I feel that it is the most milked IP that Pixar owns. Lightning McQueen and Tomator are on like literally everything and they are everywhere. And they got one really bad sequel and one pretty okay sequel. Um, and part of the reason I think that they made those movies was to just give those Cars characters some staying power so that they could continue to produce, like, Lightning McQueen toys and Lightning McQueen pajamas and stuff like that. So I have a little bit of Cars fatigue, but if you just look at the first Cars movie on its own, it's actually pretty good. And honestly, in my opinion, one of the best things about Pixar movies is that they all have really good morals or takeaway messages at the end of them. And I really like the takeaway message in Cars, and that's that fame doesn't really mean anything if you don't have anyone to share it with or if your life is without love and affection and strong relationships. And we all work in pro sports and that's something that is especially relevant to all of us because we're kind of surrounded by that culture that fame and winning and success is everything and so to see a movie like cars where it's basically saying that yes it's easy to get hung up on winning and being number one but at the end of the day the most important thing is the people that surround you i think that that's really awesome um so say what you will about the sequels Cars 1, I think, is a great movie. Wally, I also think, is an awesome movie. Another thing that I think sets Pixar apart from its competition in animated movies is its ability to tell stories without using dialogue. And Wally does that for the first probably third of the movie. It's just Wally and Eve on this barren planet. And you really get to know Wally as a character just by him you know wheeling around the planet and making beeps and sounds and moving his eyes around and stuff and it's so cool it's expert level it's unique um and i absolutely love it i think the movie kind of falls off a little bit once you introduce the humans and that's kind of where the takeaway message if you will can kind of backfire on pixar where it becomes a little bit too on the nose and Wally, by the end, it just kind of feels like it's hammering this, like, don't get obsessed with technology. Pay attention to the world around you. Don't consume too much Costco. And I don't know. It it comes off as a little bit too spoon-fed. But, you know, if it, if not for just the first half of Wally, uh, you know, it's a, it's a really good movie. Um, so I'm kind of going to defer this one to hear what you guys have to say about these two movies. I'm, I'm a little bit like you in which 
I, for whatever reason, have a sour taste in my mouth about Cars. I'm not a huge fan. I think the soundtrack is bad, and maybe it's just because I can't stand Life is a Highway. Like, I do not like that song. I do not like that song. You are Daryl from The Office, and I am Michael from (laughs) The Office, blasting it in the truck. Oh my gosh, I cannot stand that song. And maybe I have a weird association with this with the song and the movie and thus I don't like the movie very much, but it's a good movie and it it's a different take on like a racing movie, which is super interesting. But I'm like very much leaning towards Wally. Um like you said, yeah, it hits a little bit too much on the nose once you get into the human world and and there are all these big massive beings that are just floating around and no longer have to walk um and there's advertisements to buy everything in in large and book in bulk and what was it big and save is that they're by and large by and large um but i really enjoy the kind of love story between eve and wally and the way that the animators were able to get us to understand their emotions and their their motives through objects that can't speak. They just say their names in different ways. Um, I don't know. I think that was just really creative. And for whatever reason, I have this weird nostalgia with the movie. It's not like I watch it all the time. And it's not like I watch it every Christmas or something like that. But... I really enjoy that movie and I think I definitely enjoy it much more than I do cars and I take away a much more powerful message from Wally, even if it's right on the nose than I do from cars and that is pay attention to the world around you and let's not kill the earth um, because we will miss it one day. And so I'm going, I'm going Wally all in. Um, But Callie, what, what are your thoughts on these? Yeah, so piggybacking off of what you guys were saying, I remember when I saw Cars and I remember when I saw Wally, and I remember being so in awe of the scene, especially when Wally and Eve are floating around in space with the fire extinguisher. Um, yeah. And thinking back to Cars, I feel like I like Cars because of Cars Land in Disney California Adventure more so than I like Cars because of the movie Cars. Like, there's no point in Cars where I'm just completely blown away by the animation and the visual aspect of it the way I am with Wally. And I rewatched Wally yesterday because it's been a while since I saw it. And um, so it's fresh in the brain. And yeah, I think it's overall a better, better movie. I will say that I'm a little bit rednecky. So when he. <laughs> When Lightning McQueen does the drift turn yeah. on the dirt, I was like, <laughs> but this bracket is called Best Pixar Movie. So if we're talking about Best Pixar, I think Wally encapsulates what Pixar represents better than Cars does. So I will agree with all you guys. And we are advancing Wally to the next round. All right. Let's head on over to. The number three, Inside Out, versus number 14, Toy Story 2. Uh, yeah, this is, this is going to be a difficult one. I really, 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 really like Toy Story 2. I, not more than the first, and 
spoiler alert, probably not more than the fourth, but I really like it, especially for a sequel. I think that the, the story is super interesting because in the first movie, you really get into like the nuances of being a, to- a toy in like a human world, but from the perspective of a toy that is already like in a home and owned and whatever. And Toy Story 2 kind of explores more of this bizarre toy world where there's packaged toys who don't know that they're toys. Like you get to essentially see why Buzz thought he was a space ranger. And um, you get all this other nostalgic like toys in the, in the universe that get introduced to you like Barbie. But I think that what Inside Out does better for me is invest me in the storyline and add some relatability to it. And I think that also, obviously, what Inside Out is is a very powerful message of about feelings and just that you're allowed to have all of these feelings, especially um, as you're growing up, and that they all work together to form a, a human being. And I think that message is super important, especially to today. It also is, I think, just more fun because you... What I found myself wanting to see is, oh, I want to see more of like what's happening in the in the outside world, and and then we would be in the outside world and see the dynamics between the parents and the daughter, and then we'd hop back into inside her, in which there's pure chaos, but they're all the chaos is controlled, and you find that once a few feelings leave, things are going wrong. So that being said. I think that Inside Out has the more powerful message than Toy Story 2. And I do think Toy Story 2 has a great message um, in that you just because you're destined to be something doesn't mean you have to be that. Like you you control your own destiny and you can be what you want to be. And Jesse and, and, and Stinky Pete thought that they were supposed to be in Tokyo and that this was the way for them to be. But there was a whole nother world for them to explore. And if they didn't try it, how would they know? And I think that's super powerful but i think that inside out did a better job at teaching that uh, their specific lesson um and so for that reason i'm moving inside out on to the next round i have to give credit to the toy story franchise because all four toy story movies are on this bracket which says a lot um about the characters that they set up in toy story one and i will say this about toy story two it is the best Toy Story movie. It is how a sequel should be done. It is mentioned in the same breath as The Godfather Part 2 and The Empire Strikes Back as being a top three best sequel of all time and a sequel that is arguably better than the original movie. Um, you have these pre-established characters that you get to see working in a little bit of a different way. You darken it up a little bit, have some more serious undertones, a little bit higher stakes. Um, and it just makes for a more satisfying movie. It's a movie that's perfectly balanced. It's really hard to have a movie where there are two things happening at once. You know, um, in Toy Story 2, you have... Woody on his own discovering his origins and then you have the gang trying to rescue him right and so that can be really difficult in a movie if you have two storylines happening at once to give 
attention to, to both of them. And Toy Story 2 does that really effectively. Um, you're introducing new characters into the Toy Story roster that are so deep. You are rethinking the way you think about our primary character, the face of this franchise, right? And it's just the perfect balance of adventure and character building. Do you it, think that they do a better job at straggling the two uh, storylines than Inside Out? Because there's two storylines there as well. Inside Out, to me, is the wrong way to do it. Oof. It's extremely confusing like Coco, it's a movie where you get hung up on the, I want to say physics of the world that the movie's taking place in and trying to like understand the rules of the universe. Where in Toy Story, it's like, okay, if there's talking toys, that's all I need to know. Inside Out, you have like memory orbs and, uh, what are they called? Prime memories or something like that? Long-term memories. Yeah, 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 and you have like areas of the imagination that are disappearing and bing-bongs and like, oh, man, I don't know. It just it was a really boring movie to me. It was like Wally in that it was extremely on the nose in the themes that it was trying to present. And it just wasn't super enjoyable. Um, and I saw this movie after the rehearsal to my best friend's wedding. So I was extremely primed for like an enjoyable movie going experience, but I just didn't have that. And this movie is one that people are talking about winning best picture, not best animated movie, best picture. But I never got the appeal of Inside Out. I think having all of these characters that are emotions makes them all one note and uninteresting and I just I think Toy Story 2 is just a way better movie throwing it to Seattle Callie oh boy okay I'm gonna preface this by saying that Toy Story 2 is probably the Pixar movie that I've seen the most we had it on VHS I don't know where the first one went I don't know where Bugs Life went but we had Toy Story 2 and I watched it so much but I think I have to go with Inside Out for this one just with the importance of the message that they're bringing across, I think the fact that there's this young girl, Riley, who had this big life change happen when she moved to San Francisco, and her parents are telling her, you have to put a smile on, you have to be happy, and the movie is all about how it's okay that she's not happy all the time, and she doesn't have to be this perfect picture of you know, childhood excitement and happiness, and I... Um, yeah, I just think it's a much more important message. As much as I love Toy Story 2, Inside Out is is it. We're Keep in name. mind, these We're are in movies name. for children. Yeah, so I think if you're telling kids, you don't have to be happy and pretend that you're okay with everything. But that's is a five-year-old, six-year-old going to be like, oh, yes, that's a great message. Like I They're love movies exploring joy... mental health. They're gonna see so. that they're gonna see that Joy is forcing sadness to stay in a little circle that she drew inside Riley's brain, and that sadness just self-destructs. You already lost okay my interest in explaining the plot to the movie. 
Okay, sidebar. Uh, Kyle, favorite song from Toy Story 2? Uh, it's not When She Loved Me. Because oh, are you that's sure? a great. Oh, it's Woody's Roundup. That is okay. that is such a good song in Toy Story too. But when she loved me is definitely my favorite one to to Cry mess to. around with. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead. We're moving inside out on. Despite Chris's best attempts to change our minds, and we're moving into the final matchup of the round of sixteen, and that is The Incredibles and Toy Story Four. Now, Toy or The Incredibles is another movie that I watched a lot once it first came out. Um, I think that it was another one that was very funny and and creative, and it was a fun exploration of what superheroes look like when they can't be superheroes, and that's super fun. Um, And... I just remember really enjoying the action in it and getting to see the characters use their powers and the kind of like dysfunctional families happen in every scenario, even if you have superpowers. Um, So I really liked that movie. Um, Toy Story 4 I really enjoyed as well. We all just have recently seen it in the past week or so, two weeks. I thought it was really good. I was really... I think I went in with super low expectations because all of the marketing material was like focused around this stupid spork who like I thought was like, going to be this dumb gimmick. What and you want to get out? He of He was kind of like, gimmicky, but Forky wanted. I think it worked well in the spork. movie. Like, sorry, and I like, I really enjoyed his character and like my and what I wanted out of life. He added and kind of set the theme of the entire the movie, which was really like do that existence um, and like and. The, what um, you feel like what, what was her name gavin gavin what you want to get out of life and like forky wanted to be a, a spork like sorry about it like he 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 was like my what i wanted out of life is to be used and then be thrown into the trash and people didn't let him do that and the um what what was her name gavin gabby is that her gabby 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 she thought her entire existence relied on her being able to speak and in that because she would be able to speak she would find somebody to take her home and it turned out like that wasn't even necessary she just needed to get out in the world and find somebody that was for her um so i really like that movie um a lot i think as unnecessary of a movie that as it was it was still a great movie like i still really enjoyed it it's not like cars 2 and 3 where cars 2 i was like this is awful why'd they do this and cars 3 that was like this is an okay movie like we didn't need it toy story was we didn't need it but it was still a really good movie um all of that being said and all of that rambling happening i think i'm gonna go with the incredibles i just got a lot more enjoyment out of the incredibles um especially having watched it as many times as I have and and the repeatability and just the the humor in it is great and I don't know I just really like The Incredibles and I think it's a better movie than Toy Story 4 and uh I'm gonna leave it at that Incredibles moves on for me I agree 100% with what you said about Toy Story 4 um much like Will Smith in the Aladdin remake I went in being like this forky guy is just gonna make 
me cringe throughout the whole movie and it, he was hands down my favorite part absolutely um david hale was the voice of forky and he mm-hmm. played him a lot like he plays buster bluth in arrested development right uh super timid and just like yes absolutely hilarious my thought process watching toy story 4 was basically like you said who needed this movie no one needs this movie and then 15 minutes in the movie i'm like me i needed this movie <laughs> I needed it. It's so yes. good. Yes. And then, like, 15 minutes later, it absolutely nosedived for me. Uh, I found Gabby Gabby and Binson to be a complete ripoff of Lotso Hugs Bear and Big Baby in Toy Story 3. Right, yep. Um, they kept adding characters. Like, every 15 minutes, here's a new character, here's a new character, here's a new character. And it got to the point where the roster became so bloated that you don't even realize that now you've left all of your primary Toy Story characters off to the side. Jesse had like one line in the entire movie. Right. Um, and now I'm starting to have conspiracy theories about just wanting to market the movie and make more toys for people to buy. And it just goes back to like who wanted this movie thing. Um, and the number one problem I had with Toy Story 4 was that uh, it completely undid Toy Story 2, because the moral of Toy Story 2 is what good is it living forever if there's no love in your life? Why go to the factory in Tokyo or whatever if you have no one to play with you, right? Toy Story 4 says leave your friends and your owners behind, be a nomad toy. It just seems like it's completely contradictory to me. So not a huge fan of toy story 4 i will say the animation is extremely impressive i would recommend i would recommend going to see it if not just for the animation Uh, there's an opening scene in the rain where there's some crazy water effects that you're like really seriously contemplating whether or not it's actual water that in the in the human's hair like i couldn't stop watching like how they did people's hair in that movie it was incredible and the cat the cat was yeah the cat the lighting in general extremely impressive um so i'd i'd recommend going to see it but i do think it's the worst toy story movie um incredibles it's fine i like incredibles 2 better than the incredibles and i'm advancing the incredibles just because i'm anti toy story 4 Kelly, what were your thoughts on Toy Story 4 since you just saw it? Yeah, um, I think one of my biggest issues with Toy Story 4 was that they dumbed Buzz down so much. Oh my gosh, yeah. They made him so stupid. And it's like, in the last Toy Story, or Toy Story 3, he led the charge to get all these people back. And he was, you know, more independent and not so stupid. And then he was just... Like, something with the factory reset that they did to get him out of Spanish buzz mode messed right. with his brain, and <laughs> not a fan. I Like you were saying, the movie, you know, for nostalgia reasons, I enjoyed it, but is it in my top 16 Pixar movies? I don't think so. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we have reached the Elite Eight of our best Pixar movie bracket. We have number one, Toy Story, versus number eight, Coco. We have number four, Finding Nemo, versus number 12, A Bug's Life. We have number two, Up, versus number 10, Wally. 
And we have number three, Inside Out, versus number six, The Incredibles. Let's hop right on into this. We got Toy Story versus Coco. This one is going to be difficult, and I don't think it's going to be difficult for Chris because he already expressed his his uh, dislike for Coco. It's a good movie versus a bad movie. I don't know uh, what you want me okay. to say. Well, it's Toy Story. I picked uh, Toy Story. All right. Well, he picks Toy Story, and I picked Toy Story as well. And it's... Yes. Toy Story is just like the quintessential... Not only is it the first Pixar movie, but it's like the quintessential, like, here's how we're going to tell a great story in an hour and a half. We're going to have the perfect amount of twists and we're going to introduce the right characters, uh, even if they're bizarre as the the aliens in the, in the claw machine. But what they also do so well is relate this bizarre world of toys to us and make us feel like we know exactly what they're talking about and exactly what they're going through. Like we, when we see the aliens in the claw machine, we can immediately think about a time when, in which we played a claw machine. Or when we see Andy playing with his toys in his room and he's using blocks to make buildings and cardboard boxes and we can all relate to that. Um, while Coco does a great job at represent, repre, representing a group that isn't always represented in movies and Hollywood and especially in animation. And Coco's beautiful, and the story is, I think, is great. Um, Chris is right when they, the, the reveal and the, the, oh, we caught you on tape, and now everybody knows it kind of reveal, did, did take away from the movie itself. Um, I will say they also did that in Zootopia, which was probably in production at the exact same time as Coco. I don't know how someone whose name is i'm sure on both of these movies didn't catch that right no absolutely um and there's just so many more memorable moments in toy story for me than coco i think in coco i can get you from the beginning to the end by saying and then he goes into the land of the dead and things happen and then he comes back like i can pretty much lead you through the entire thing of toy story because it is so memorable and and iconic and i just think it's it's the better movie so i'm gonna go with toy story i would go on a rant for hours about this movie but our podcast is supposed to be under one hour so i'm gonna just bite my tongue great so i'm assuming that we're gonna go ahead and just move toy story right on on to the final four all right well next elite eight matchup is finding nemo versus a bug's life this is a pretty good matchup, but I think the more complete movie here is Finding Nemo. And I will refer to what I was saying earlier about how Toy Story 2 balances two plots happening simultaneously really effectively. And Finding Nemo does that as well. You have Marlin and Dory swimming through the ocean to rescue Nemo, and then you also have Nemo inside of the fish tank growing as a character and also trying to free himself as well. I don't know if you guys are familiar with MacGuffins, but it's another kind of cliche movie trope where it's 
just a person or a thing that the characters in your movie or TV show are just trying to go after. So like in The Hangover, the guy who's lost is a MacGuffin. He's like a human MacGuffin. He's just just driving the plot along. Um, and part of the reason I didn't like Coco was because De La Cruz is kind of a MacGuffin. He's a guy that we don't really know. We've never seen him before, but he's just kind of driving our characters along. And in Finding Nemo, Nemo could have been a MacGuffin, but the movie spends a great amount of time on the Nemo character and developing him um, and making it extremely rewarding when he's eventually reunited with Marlon. Um, so that's something that it, this movie does extremely well. Um, Bugs Life, really good, super funny, but um, kind of in the same way that Mulan was a complete hero and Scar was a complete villain, I think Nemo is kind of the more complete movie. Um, and so I'm advancing it here over A Bug's Life. I agree. I had Nemo moving on as well. I, I think you hit it on the head, and I have nothing else to add to that. All right. Our next matchup is Up versus Wally. I really enjoyed Up, and I really enjoyed Wally, but for whatever reason, I don't really remember much past the first 15 minutes of Up, but I remember pretty much all of Wally. And I think I'm just going to leave it at that. Like, Up is like super, like, it makes you cry within the first 10 minutes, and like, you really grow to like the characters in the first 25. But then, like, after that, like, they're going after, like, an island, and there's talking dogs and a bird named Kevin, and it's about all I got for you. Like, it's just, I I don't know. But Wally just had a much more lasting impact to me, and so I, I think that that's a sign of a better movie, is if it leaves an impacting impression on its viewers. And so I'm going to go ahead and move Wally on to the... Final four. I had the exact same reaction to Up as you did. If they had just cut the movie at like 20 minutes. It's a great Pixar short. Great Pixar short. Guy meets a girl. They grow old together. She dies. He doesn't get to go on his adventure. Then he releases the balloons and his house flies away. Credits roll. Great yeah. movie. Callie, you're shaking your head. But I'm so upset right wait, now. Wait, wait. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was my reaction, but I have looked closer at this movie. And if you stop the movie there, the moral of the story is it's never too old to go on an adventure, which I think is an awesome moral. But that is not the moral of the story when it comes to Up. The moral of the story is Adventure is what you make it. And a lot of times, the greatest adventure is the relationships that you make along the way. That's the real moral of the story when it comes to up, which is something you kind of have to like weigh it out. And yeah, you have to like uh, sit through these like intelligent dogs and like a weird exotic bird. And if we want to get into the nitty gritty and talk about the aging process in the world of Up, I think Carl is supposed to be like 80, which would make Charles Muntz like 
110 or something, but they look exactly the same. I don't know. We're not going to get into that. But I think that it's easy to forget the second half of Up, but I think if you revisit it, it's pretty rewarding. Um, and yes, I do like the first half of Wally, -E, and uh, I think that's another movie where you could probably cut it off, and it would still be really good. But man, that score in Wally -E is so good when they're doing that like space dance thing. It's so yeah. good. But Up has a really good score too, Michael Giacchino. I think that's how you say his name. Yeah. Incredible. So good. What you going with? This is tough for me. I think I'm going to throw it to Callie because I'm going to go with Up. All right, Callie. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Up. I think it's visually stunning. Anyone that knows me knows that Up is my favorite Pixar movie. And it's just hands down, I think, better than Wally. -E. Um, I think there's also something to be said for the message that what you see on TV and in movies um, isn't necessarily something to strive for. Like we saw Carl, he idolized um, Charles months and he turned out to be a terrible person. So I think that's an important message for people to take away as well. All right. There it is. Up is moving along. All right. Our last Elite Eight matchup, we have Inside Out versus The Incredibles. I'm really glad that we talked about it in this last matchup. Movies that would have been better off as a short film. Inside Out, definitely one of those movies. It's a movie that was conceived as like a, mm, you know, it would be a good idea. And then reverse engineered creating the moral of the story or something super abstract and then kind of going off of that instead of being like, okay, let's create this family of superheroes. All right, you have the dad who's this, the mom who's this, the daughter who's this, and the kids who are this. And then building a story around the characters. That's how The Incredibles went down. And Inside Out, it's just, it's just doing too much. It's like Paul Rudd. <laughs> Do less, Inside Out. Please do less. No offense to Pete Docter, who I think is a creative genius. He's in the Pixar brain trust. But, uh, I mean, I've already beaten this to death. Inside Out doesn't do it for me. Going with Incredibles. I think I'm going to agree with you. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I think... Inside Out does a lot. I think it's a fantastic movie. Um, I've enjoyed it every single time that I've watched it. I've found something new every time I've watched it. But I think as far as walking away from a movie fully satisfied, The Incredibles does that for me. And I think you're right. It's For me, it's much more interesting to know what this kind of normal family would be like if they all had superpowers that they had to hide. And the, the whole, the, the scene that really sticks out for me is when they finally all come together to use their powers at once together, when uh, they're being 
chased down by those flying saucer-esque things. Um, like, and they're all, they all do the superhero pose, like their pose, and it freezes for a second. That's, that's my yeehaw watching Cars moment. Um, and like, I don't really, I mean, you I don't get that with Inside Out. I mean, I really enjoyed Inside Out and it was super interesting to see how all the feelings interacted with each other. And it was fun to see the feelings be their feelings. It was fun to see anger get mad and and fear to be anxious. But after a while, it's like, yes, anger is going to get mad at this. Like, yes, of course, fear is going to be anxious about this. So I think I agree with you. I'm going to go ahead and move along uh, Incredibles into the final four. All right, listeners. It took a while, but we finally have our final four. We have Toy Story versus Finding Nemo, and we have Up versus The Incredibles. Callie and Kyle, any thoughts, meditations on our final four? I feel like I should be asking you this. How are you holding up? <laughs> that was I'm tough. very distraught. That was <laughs> tough. That was a... Uh... There were a lot that should have made the bracket from the beginning that maybe could have ha- provided some upsets. There were some upsets that apparently Chris didn't expect at all. Coco is a bad movie. I will die on that hill. <laughs> all right, folks. Well, we have a lot to do before our next episode where we f- talk about those final four. Thank you so much for listening. We'd also like to give a special thank you to Callie for joining us all the way from Seattle. Thank you, Callie. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Don't forget that you can email us. Please, please, please email us with all of the thoughts. Mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or send us a tweet at mousemadnesspod. Signing off. I'm Chris Bowersox. I'm Kyle Skinner. And we will catch you next time. I want to be a man, man cop, and stroll right into town and be just like the other men. I'm tired of moping around, oh.